NFL Week 2 Recap, Ben Simmons Drama, and the St. Louis Cardinals are the most dangerous team in baseball. The Valley Sports Talk begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast, brought to you by the Sideline Network. As always, I'm your host, Chris LaValley. Hope you all are doing well and staying safe. College Football Week 3 Recap. We've got two games to talk about. Actually, three games. I take that back. Three games to talk about. We're going to kick it off with the biggest game of the weekend. Bama surviving against Florida, but barely, 31-29. to Bama jumped out to an early 21-point lead. Florida came storming back in the second half and made it close. Bama made the defensive stops that they needed to at the end of the game. And Florida proved in this football game that they can hang with anybody in the, in the college football landscape. I mean, and they may be the second best team in the SEC, which may make them the second best team in college football. Obviously, it's still kind of early, but the fact that Florida was able to give Bama fits, especially in the second half, I don't know if that says more about Florida or more about Bama's defense may have some holes in there. I, I'm not too sure. Next week, I think we'll bear that out a little bit more. But here's, the, here's my biggest issue with this football game. It was a great game to watch, obviously, specifically in the second half. If you're going to go for a two-point conversion, which Florida did at the end of the game, and them not hitting the two-point conversion was the difference in this football game, you're a two-point conversion away from putting Bama in overtime. And Bama, at this point, all the wind would have been completely knocked out of their sails. I mean, they they were on their heels the entire second half of this football game. I don't understand the read option play when you go for a two-point conversion I just don't, I, it doesn't make any sense because every time, every time I've seen it done in college football, I, the NFL is a little bit different, but every time I see a read option play for a two-point conversion in college football, it always gets blown up. It always gets blown up. Like to me, if you're going to go for a two-point conversion, throw the damn football, throw the, just throw the football, give your team a chance. To me, the read option play is, it's a gimmick specifically for a two-point conversion. It's a complete gimmick, and you have to hope and pray that Bama, for whatever reason, was completely asleep. But Bama's run defense is nothing nothing short of sensational and has been nothing short of sensational all season. Why the hell would you think that a gimmick play like that is going to work against a Nick Saban football team? I just... It, it blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. I was, and I wasn't rooting against Alabama in this football game. Don't get me wrong. But it bummed me out as a college football fan... We're two points away from an overtime game between these two, which would have been a tremendous, tremendous way to finish. And instead, Florida comes away with a two-point conversion that looked just completely mismanaged, and it was a terrible play call. It was just a horrific play call to ruin what, what, what had been a tremendous football game. Penn State may be the most shocking team so far this season with how well they've played they've now beat two ranked teams in wisconsin and auburn and they just beat auburn this past weekend 28 to 20 now they continue to impress everyone this season quarterback sean clifford continues to be one of the better uh pro prospects i think in college football he was 28 to 32 for 280 yards and two touchdowns now penn state may be the best team in the big 10 they're going to play Ohio State near the end of October. It might actually be the last week of October. And if they can stay undefeated up until that game, and Ohio State has only lost, lost one game that season, that game is going to be massive and is going to determine not only who plays in the Big Ten national, in the Big Ten Championship game, 
but very likely who's going to represent the Big Ten in the college football playoff. Because let's be real, I have a really hard time believing that the committee is not going to put a Big Ten team as one of the four for the playoffs. So if Penn State, Penn State at that point in time, if they beat Ohio State in that game as well, and they're undefeated, at that point in time, they would have beaten three top 15 ranked teams, at least when they were ranked in the top 15 in the same season, which their strength of schedule alone is going to catapult them into into the college football playoff picture. Franklin is a great coach. I think Franklin is underrated as, as a college coach. He's also one of the coaching candidates that a lot of people think may end up at USC. Maybe he does go to USC, but he's not going to go to USC in the middle of the season, I can tell you that, not with the way Penn State's playing. So if USC hopes to get Franklin, they're definitely going to have to wait till the end of this college football season. But Penn State has always kind of been lurking in the Big Ten over the last few years. No one ever really gives them much mind because they usually lose two, maybe three games a season. But remember, a few years ago, Penn State was right there with Michigan and with Ohio State as being a potential college football playoff team back when he had Trace McSorley at quarterback, excuse me, and Saquon Barkley at running back. Like Penn State was a big deal for a few years. And now it's really cool to see them up and about right now. I mean, they, they are a great watch. Now, they struggled a little bit more against Auburn than they did against Wisconsin in week one. But overall, I think Penn State's the most impressive team we've seen thus far in, in college football. The other thing to talk about real quick, UCLA blew up their playoff hopes, losing to Fresno State 40-37. to And this leaves Oregon as the only, only hope for the Pac-12 in making it to a playoff spot. I know I keep talking about this each week, but because I, I think it's a fascinating story. I mean, the Pac-12, which used to be one of the most celebrated conferences in college football, has been a laughingstock for the last few years. So the fact that it seemed as though a few weeks ago that they had potentially two teams that could make it, finally make it into the playoff picture, now they're down to one. And I, UCLA, this is just this is a devastating loss for, for Chip Kelly and the Bruins. And real quick, and then we'll move on to the NFL. Game to watch this weekend, Notre Dame at Wisconsin. Both teams are ranked. I like Notre Dame in this game probably by three or four points. All right, that's enough college football. Let's get into NFL Week 2 recap. Week 2 made much more sense than NFL Week 1. I remember last week looking at the scores, watching some of the games. Some of the teams that were winning just didn't make sense to me. This week, everything seems right in the world. Everything starts coming together. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still a couple teams that are completely underperforming expectations. What's up, Atlanta? But for the most part, Everything's starting to come back into place. So with that being said, let's kick it off. Let's talk Cowboys Chargers. Cowboys beat the Chargers 20 to 17. Prescott was 23 to 27 for 237 yards and a pick. Pollard was sensational. 13 carries, 109 yards and a touchdown. Elliott had 16 carries, 71 yards and a touchdown. Herbert was 31 to 41, 338 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. The story of this game was penalties. Dallas had eight penalties for 76 yards. The Chargers had 12 for 99 yards. Neither quarterback, their stats weren't necessarily great. Prescott played okay. He didn't. He wasn't as impressive as he was in week one, but he did. obviously he did enough to get them into field goal range to win the football game. So good on him. But we really need to focus in on Herbert for a second. Herbert is the best prospect, and I've said this before, since Andrew Luck. 
to me, he is the best prospect we have seen in the NFL since luck. And I know Trevor Lawrence is potentially on a whole nother level than Herbert. And he may is and he may well turn into that. But from what I've seen from Herbert from last year and so far this season, Justin Herbert's going to win a Super Bowl within the next five years. I'm calling it right now. Herbert is going to win a Super Bowl. Herbert is going to be in the conversation with Pat Mahomes as the best quarterback in football within the next five years. He is that good. His arm strength is incredible. His pocket awareness, his poise, his maturity, everything about Herbert is what you want in a franchise quarterback. The other thing too, just to note, is the coaching. It's amazing how much difference the coaching change has been. Brandon Staley was an excellent choice for head coach, and Joe Lombardi is an incredible offensive coordinator. The Chargers are going places. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl this year. And I understand that there was the 12 penalties, but let's be real. The penalties on both sides, on the on the Cowboys side and on the Chargers side, a lot of those calls were BS. The refing in that in that football game was atrocious. There were plenty of calls that both teams got screwed over with. So I'm not I'm not taking the, the 12 penalties into account here when I'm talking about how great the coaching staff has been. Because they, they have been. You can see it with the way the Chargers have played the first two weeks of the season. This Chargers team is going places, and Justin Herbert is easily, and I don't think it's hyperbole to say it, is easily one of the top, what, eight, seven, eight quarterbacks in football. Bucks destroyed the Falcons, as we all expected them to. 48-25, to Tom Brady, 24-36, 276 yards and five touchdowns. Mike Evans had two touchdown catches. Godwin had one, and Gronk had two TDs. Matt Ryan, 35-46, 300 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. The Buck, the Bucks owned every aspect of this game. The Falcons made it interesting in the third quarter, but the Bucks pulled away in the fourth. We got to talk quarterbacks here. Let's let's start with Brady. Brady has been sensational this season. I am convinced Brady is looking to be not only win the MVP, but to try and go undefeated this season. I think that all of every any any record that Brady can shatter at this point, that's just what he's looking for. And Frankly, I, I think he's, I don't know of another player that, that that could be ahead of him in the MVP voting. Maybe Kyler Murray, but I don't even think that that's, that's the case. I think Brady is probably your favorite going in. The other thing is Matt Ryan. Now, I am the biggest Matt Ryan supporter out there, or one of them. Ryan has looked terrible the first two weeks of the season, but he's just looked terrible. There's no, there's no way for me to spin it to find a way to be like, oh, well, you know, it's the play calling, it's the it's the offensive line, or, you know, he's just the receiver. No, I, Ryan has just looked terrible. He's looked old, and he's looked lost out there. I don't know what's going on with Matt Ryan. It's just, it's not looking good. For a quarterback that has said, I want to play till I'm 40, he got to step up his game a little bit because the interceptions that he threw in that football game were on him. I mean, they were just terrible interceptions. There's there's no excuse to throw, I'm sorry, there's no excuse to throw three interceptions in a football game when you're Matt Ryan. You're too good to be throwing three picks. I know it happens from time to time. Quarterbacks have a bad game. Hell, even Brady has had a really, really rough game from time to time. I know it happens. But the 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 types of throws that Ryan is making in those interceptions are ugly. So I don't know what's going on with him. The Falcons have a huge game this weekend against the Giants. 
and I'm gonna. I'm, that's actually one of my games that I'm. I'm. Um, I have the point spread for. So we'll talk about that game in a little while. But it is a massive game for th- for the season. Like this game is the season for the for the Falcons because if they lose this football game against the Giants, their season's done. Their their season it's just over. They might they might as well tank the rest of the way and potentially look for a new quarterback because I don't. I'm not saying that Matt Ryan is done because I, I'm not that hyperbolic. I still think Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. I just think that his days in Atlanta might be numbered. Rams beat the Colts, no shocker, 27-24. Stafford was 19-30 for 278 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Cooper Cup, my God, Cooper Cup has been a just incredible, incredible player this season. He had nine receptions in this game for 163 yards, two touchdowns. The chemistry between Stafford and Cup is something special. Carson Wentz, 20-31, 247 yards, one touchdown, one pick. What I feared would happen, happened. Last week on this podcast, I said I feared that because of the woes of the offensive line, because of the injuries to the Colts' offensive line, there was a potential of Carson Wentz getting injured. And sure as shit, Aaron Donald injured Wentz in the fourth quarter. Wentz sprained both of his ankles. And the play that it happened on was ugly, and it was a stupid play, and it pisses me off. I, and there is no timetable. I don't. I don't know how long Wentz is going to be out for. They. I, at the last time I checked, they, it still hadn't been reported. It was Wentz is questionable, if not doubtful, for Sunday against the Titans. So there's a very good shot that the Colts are going to go 0 and 3 to start the season. Which, fortunately, we play in the AFC South. The problem though is that the Titans won last week. If the Titans had started off the season 0-2, I would feel much more comfortable about an 0-3 start because at that point I would sit back and say, well, the Jags are going to go 0-3. The Titans would be 1-2 because potentially they're going to, I mean, they're the team that the Colts are facing this week. So they would only be one game up and the Texans are going to lose anyway. So we don't have to worry about the Texans. But with this injury, the Colts have an uphill battle pretty much the rest of the season. Like they... I'm not saying once is going to be out for the remainder of the season, but the the playoff hopes for the Colts it's it's starting to dwindle already, and we're only in week we're going into week three because there there is not going to be a wild card team coming out of the AFC South. There, there's not. I I think you're going to have two, definitely two wild card teams coming out of the AFC West. You may even have three. So there is no hope for the South. Very likely you and the other team that's that's sitting there for the other potential wild card is the Patriots. So the Colts have to figure shit out and they gotta figure it out fast. The Colts played a great game, though. I will give them that. They played much better than I expected them to. I honestly thought the Rams were gonna go in and blow them out. Like I thought they were gonna beat the brakes off the Colts. The Colts defense isn't is a problem. Like it is a problem. Colts defense was something I was riding my hat on coming into this season. Their secondary is soft. It is as soft as cottonelle tissue. Like they need to, they need to figure out whatever it is that, that that they need in the secondary, and that's something that they need to look into drafting next season. Like I trust Ballard; he's an excellent GM. He better start evaluating the cornerbacks in this league because what we have right now in Indy is a travesty. Look, so overall, I mean, my my Colts, we I got a bleak picture for my Colts right now. It is not looking good. Not looking good at all for for a team that I was believing would be a strong playoff contender, maybe even a dark horse Super Bowl team. That's not even close. We're not even close. Not even close. Even if Carson Wentz was healthy, 
we would still be a playoff team, but we would be a a early exit playoff team. Now I I don't I don't even know. I truly don't know. And until we figure out what's going on with with Wentz's ankles, we're uh, we're up Shish Creek right now, and it's it's not fun being a Colts fan. Ravens Chiefs. Ravens beat the Chiefs 36-35. Lamar Jackson, 18-26, 239 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, 107 yards rushing, and two touchdowns. Pat Mahomes, 24-31, 343 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. The Kansas City Chiefs blew this football game. The Kansas City Chiefs should be 0-2 this season. Just keep that in the back of your mind. The Browns blew the football game in Week 1. The Chiefs now blew this football game in Week 2. They should be 0-2. Pat Mahomes threw a stupid interception. Yes, Everybody, breaking news, you are allowed to criticize Pat Mahomes. Apparently, you're, you're not if you work in, in the national sports talk radio scene because there were a few people who did criticize Pat Mahomes and they immediately got beat up. That, that interception he threw cost them the football game. It cost them the football game. You can, you can blame Edwards Hilaire all you want for that fumble. You can. But here's, here's the funny little thing. If Pat Mahomes doesn't throw that boneheaded interception, the Ravens never march down the field, score a touchdown, for then the, the Chiefs to have to hurry up and try and get a field goal to win the football game. You see how that works? So if Pat Mahomes doesn't turn the ball over initially, the Ravens never would have had the opportunity to, to get the game-winning score to begin with. All right? So it is okay to say... That interception by Pat Mahomes was boneheaded. It was stupid. He's smarter than that. And everyone's like, oh, well, you know, he just makes those plays so routine, routinely. That's not even really like a, a crazy play. It's just, he's just so great and so amazing. It was a stupid fucking throw. You can say what it is. All right. If you can, if, if like if the same people, the same people who are giving a pass to Pat Mahomes were crushing Baker Mayfield in week one for making that same throw. So you can't have it both ways. You can't blame Mayfield in week one and say that was a really stupid throw for him to make and then sit back and go, oh, well, it's Pat Mahomes. It's okay when he does it. It's like the same thing. It's we're, we're, What we're watching is the reinvention of how people used to talk about Brett Favre. When Brett Favre would make a stupid boneheaded interception, people would find an excuse for it and be like, oh, well, Brett Favre, just, he's just such a kid out there. He plays like it's backyard football all the time. It's just so exhilarating and exciting to watch. Okay, that's fine. It's exciting and exhilarating to watch. It doesn't make it a, a, a smart play. Mahomes made a stupid play. It cost his team the football game. It is what it is. But stop making excuses. He cost his team a game. It It's okay. It's all right. The Chiefs are going to be okay, guys. They're probably going to be in the AFC Championship game. This loss really isn't going to weigh down their season. But again, you're allowed to criticize Pat Mahomes. He's not infallible. Lamar Jackson was incredible in this football game. Absolutely electric throughout and finally got over the hump and beat the Chiefs. You cannot take anything away from what Lamar Jackson did in that game. He put that team on his back and carried them to victory. This this game, by the way, if the Ravens make a run and let's say they end the season with 13 or 14 wins, this type of game is the game that, that MVP voters should think back about because if, if Jackson puts up great numbers... This could be the game, or this should be the game, that should potentially give him an MVP vote over somebody like a Russell Wilson or a Derek Carr 
or pretty much anybody that's not Tom Brady. Because look, if Tom Brady throws for like 45 or 46 touchdown passes, that dude's going to get the MVP. It, it's going to happen. But if Brady kind of you know slows down a little bit as the season progresses and Jackson's numbers are pretty damn good, this is the type of game that MVP voters need to consider when they're, uh, when they're considering their votes near the end of the season. Packers-Lions. This is going to be the last game we recap, and, I'll, and then we'll hit on to, uh, to my, my, uh, my money lines for this week. Packers 35, Lions 17. Everybody, deep breath in, deep breath out. One more time, everybody. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Guess what happened? Everything's okay in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, 22-27, 255 yards and four touchdowns. Aaron Jones was the MVP of this football game. 67 rushing yards, one touchdown, three touchdown receptions on 48 receiving yards. Jared Goff played well. Yes, I'm giving Jared Goff credit. He played well, especially in the first half, second half. He kind of fell apart. But 26-36, 246 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Jared Goff, again, I'm saying it one more time, played well in a primetime football game. Good for Jared Goff. Now let's move back to Aaron Rodgers. Everyone who is screaming conspiracy about Aaron Rodgers was looking to tank the season. You look foolish and stupid. Go sit over there with your tinfoil hat. Just go sit over there in the corner and watch traffic because you just, you're dumb. You're dumb. He's not looking to tank the season. I said before he would never do that. If you didn't want to play in Green Bay, if that was really what it was, he would have just sat out the season. And for those of you who are saying that they should start Jordan Love and tell Aaron Rodgers to go kick rocks, that's fine. I hope they do that. Please, please do that and watch the Packers win zero football games. Because Aaron Rodgers, as as much as people like to crap on Rodgers, and don't get me wrong, look, I'm not into the man bun. I'm not into the the, the grunge look and the, the woe is me thing. Look, the, the shtick is getting old with him, okay? I'll be the first one to admit that the shtick in front of the media it's getting tiresome. I'm tired of it. I, I defend Rodgers all the time, but that crap, even for me, it's indefensible. I'm tired of it. I don't like it. I, I find it juvenile. And to pretend like you're the victim all the time, it's just petty and it's dumb. We know how you feel about Green Bay. We know how Green Bay feels about you. At the end of the season, you're going to part ways. It is what it is. Okay? So let's just for this point forward, though, I'm going to focus what I'm seeing on the field. And what I'm seeing on the field is that Aaron Rodgers is still the second best quarterback in football behind Pat Mahomes. And without Aaron Rodgers, this Green Bay Packers team is not a playoff team. And if you think otherwise, I don't know how to help you. Okay, I, I don't. Jordan Love is not that good. Again, I keep saying this. If Jordan Love was really that good of a quarterback, the Packers would have told Aaron Rodgers to kick rocks. They would have cut him. He wouldn't be in Green Bay right now. They would have found a way to get him out of town. The fact that they tried to re-sign him for a longer extension is tells you everything you need to know about how good Jordan Love really is. Okay, No franchise, no franchise, or at least an intelligent franchise, would try to extend a quarterback that, that, that doesn't want to be there and that they don't like if the backup was really that special. So look, I think the Packers are going to be fine. They'll probably go, what, 12-5, and 11-6. and six. And they'll make the playoffs, they'll win the division, because the division really isn't that strong. The Vikings can't get out of, get out of their own way. They, they just, they can't. The Bears have their own issues. Their defense isn't as good as advertised. They've got some great skill players on offense, but they can't figure out their quarterback. 
Andy Dalton is injured. Justin Fields is supposed to start this week. We just saw Justin Fields play like crap last week against the Bengals. He almost helped the Bengals win that football game. So, I, look, and, and we see what the Lions are. The Lions are obviously not going to contend for the playoff spot. So the Packers are going to be fine. Even if they lose next week against San Francisco, they're going to be fine. It's not that big of a deal. And at the end of the season, Rodgers and the Packers are going to part ways, and all this other drama is just its just stupid. All right. So some other quick note, news and notes here uh, for the rest of the NFL. Derek Carr is a sneaky MVP candidate. 28 to 37, 382 yards, two touchdowns, and a win over the Steelers. He is dealing with an injury right now. As of now, it's, it's up in the air as to whether or not he's going to start on Sunday against the Dolphins. Either way, uh, the Raiders look tremendous early on this season. They've beaten Baltimore and the Steelers in back-to-back weeks. Raiders... Look, the Raiders could be the real deal. I thought the Raiders were going to be crappy this season. I said that they would be the worst team in the AFC West. And frankly, even if you are the worst team in the AFC West, you still may be a playoff team because the Broncos are 2-0. The Chargers and the Chiefs are 1-1. That division, I know we always talk about the NFC West as being the best division in football. The AFC West may be right there behind them. That division is tremendous right now. Jameis Winston fell back to earth and threw zero touchdowns and two interceptions in a loss to the Panthers. Speaking of the Panthers, Sam Darnold continues to play well in Carolina. 26 of 38, 305 yards and two touchdowns. The Panthers are 2-0. And last but not least, my man Daniel Jones was 22 of 32 for 249 yards and one touchdown, 95 yards rushing and a touchdown in a loss to Washington last Thursday. Now that loss fell at the feet of their coaching staff. You want to blame Aaron Judge? I'm here for it. You want to blame the ginger-haired Clapper as the offensive coordinator? I'm here for that too. The Giants fans, though, y'all can't blame Jones for the 0-2 start because guess what? His stats in the first two games of this season combined are pretty damn good. 562 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's had 122 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. He has played great this season. Come at me with your fumbles and you bitching about the fumbles and oh my god the fumble look fine I get it he fumbles the football he's got some he's got some slippery hands I get that point but you can't blame him for the loss against Denver too that was not his fault he did not lose them the football game against the Denver Broncos and he sure as shit didn't lose him the football game against Washington so while the the numbers aren't stellar I'm not saying that he's running he's gonna you know be a potential MVP candidate he's still a good quarterback and again. If the Giants falter this season, you can't blame the quarterback if his stats aren't. If, if his stats are as good as they are so far these two first two games, you can't sit there and tell me that the Giants need to go draft a new quarterback because it's clearly not on Daniel Jones, at least not so far this season. All right, so last week I was three and one, which brings my total to three and five so far this season, picking against the spread. I've got Packers at 49ers, Bucks at Rams, Falcons at Giants, and Dolphins at Raiders as your four games to check out this week. Packers at 49ers, 49ers are a three and a half point favorite. I like the 49ers in this football game. I just think they're a better football team overall. I like, obviously, I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I just like San Francisco. I, I, I think San Francisco is a potential Super Bowl contender. I just think overall what I've seen from San Francisco, from their defense, from their offensive line, and just their coaching staff in general, I think San Francisco is the better football team, the better coach team. I like San Francisco in this game. Bucks at Rams. This is the game of the week, obviously. Bucks at Rams. 
The Rams are a, a half a point favorite at home against the Bucs. I'm taking the Rams. I'm taking the Rams to win this football game. I don't think the Bucs go undefeated. I think it's a close game. I think we're talking a field goal here. I think it's going to be a high-scoring football game. Very similar to what we saw in the opening the opening weekend or the opening game with the Cowboys and the Bucks. I think it's just a high-scoring game. I think neither defense really gets a handle on the other team's offense. But I just like the Rams. I, I think the Rams as a whole are just a better overall team. I, I mean, I think that we're talking like a 35-32 football game here. And like I said, I'm just I'm gonna take the Rams at home. Falcons and Giants. Giants are a three and a half point favorite favorite, excuse me. Take the Giants in this game. The Giants are a better team than the Falcons. I don't trust the Falcons. I think that I was I was bullish on the Falcons. I picked them to win the wild card. I am selling all of my Falcons stock. All of it. Their season is done. It's done before it even started. I like the Giants. And I like my man Daniel Jones. I think he's going to play well. And I think this is this is the game, the, like the get right game for the Giants. I think if the Giants can win this football game, I'm not saying they're making a run to the playoffs, but I think this team is good enough to win seven or eight football or seven or eight games this season. So I like the Giants here. Take them in the three and a half points. Dolphins at the Raiders. Raiders are a four and a half point favorite over the Dolphins. Now, I'm taking the Raiders because. I assume Derek Carr is going to be able to play. Now, Marcus Mariota is also injured, and I'm not too sure who their third-string quarterback is. So this could be interesting, all right? The Dolphins don't have Tua. Tua is out for however long Tua is going to be out for. So Jacoby Brissett's playing quarterback. I I am a Jacoby Brissett fan. He was on my Indianapolis Colts for a long time. He was also with the Patriots for a little while. He's a decent backup. I know he struggled last week against the Bills when the Bills absolutely curb-stomped the the Dolphins 35 nothing but this game could be closer than it should be be with the absence of Derek Carr if Derek Carr plays the Raiders blow out the Dolphins and win by over 10 points if he doesn't play this game could be close but I still like the Raiders at home with the four and a half points so here we go recap real quick I'm taking the Niners I'm taking the Rams I'm taking the Giants and I'm taking the Raiders. I just realized I took all the favorites this week. Usually I try and find an underdog, but I didn't. So I'm taking all the favorites this week again. So I'm taking 49ers, Rams, Giants, and Raiders. And guess what? They're all home teams. So there you go here. That's my point spread for week three. Ben Simmons does not want to play for the Sixers anymore. He's made that clear. His agent has come out and said that he will not play for the Sixers this season. They're demanding a trade. If I was the Sixers and I was Jer- and I was Maury, I would sit back and go, fine, don't play. Don't play. I don't care. Don't play. Ben Simmons does not have the right, nor, nor has he earned the right to be a malcontent. You're the reason why the Sixers lost in the playoffs, bro. You can't shoot free throws. You can't shoot, period. You don't work on your jump shot in the offseason. You can't shoot a three. You can't even shoot. You can't shoot a, sh- a shot within f- that's any further away from the basket than like 15 feet. So give me a break. the The whole drama around Ben Simmons has driven me crazy because it's not like Ben Simmons has done anything to earn the respect of anybody in the league. I'm sorry, he's gotten a massive contract, but does nothing to try and improve his game. He's, what, the best, the second-best defensive player in basketball, so there is that. And he's the, he's one of the best passers we've seen since Magic Johnson. 
He does have skills and he does have ability to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Like he has the potential to be that, but he doesn't seem to give a shit. So if he doesn't give a shit, why am I going to give a shit as a GM? Now, with that being said, Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid also shot themselves in the foot as far as trade as, as far as being able to trade Ben Simmons at the end of the season when they pretty much said that they can't win with him. Well, as soon as you put that out in the ether, what team is going to go, oh, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give away one of my star players for, for the guy who you guys don't believe can win in, in the biggest moments? That doesn't make any sense. And, of course, Simmons is reps. Now, Simmons hasn't said anything. This has all been through his reps. But his reps have come out and said that he will only play for the three California teams. Now, there's four, but they just excluded the Sacramento Kings. And he'll only play for the Warriors, the Lakers, or the Clippers. Which, again, if I was Philly, I would send him to Minnesota or to, you know, anywhere that he doesn't want to be. Go send him to Orlando or something. Like, send him to a team that I know he doesn't want to be because he's just been that much of a pain in the ass. Now, I was listening to PTI the other day, and Kornheiser actually made a really interesting point. He said he thought the best place for Simmons is Washington, and that he thinks that a fair trade would be Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, heads up. And I agree with him, actually, because he pointed out, he goes, look, it's a win for both teams. Ben Simmons goes to a, a franchise where he can be the leader, he can be the captain, you can actually see what he can do when it's just his team. And Bradley Beal going to Philly immediately makes the Sixers a title contender. I still don't think that makes them better than the Nets, but it still gives them a lot more offensive firepower and the firepower that they're looking for that they don't have with Ben Simmons on the court. So that could work. That's a potential trade aspect. But I, I don't know where Simmons ends up. Frankly, I don't care. I I think that he, again, he's a talented dude. He's one of the most talented players in the league. But he does not deserve the right to dictate where he goes. He hasn't earned that. I believe if you're a superstar player and you've done everything you can to win for a franchise, like if you're Damian Lillard, and if Damian Lillard went to Portland, I know he won't do it, or at least he won't, he'll only do it behind the scenes because he's crafted this image of this guy who's just the selfless superstar player and all that stuff. But Damian Lillard is an example of somebody who, who has earned the right and deserves the right to go to the front office and say, look, guys, I've given you my entire career so far. We're nowhere closer to winning an NBA championship than we were when I was drafted by you guys. Please trade me to a contender. Please trade me to a team that will that will help me succeed. I'm not saying you have to, you know, you necessarily have to stick me in the Western Conference. If you'd rather put me in the Eastern Conference, that's fine. But please send me to a contender so I can try and win a championship. I've given you guys my all. It's clearly not working here. Let me let me bounce. Please let me bounce. He deserves something like that. Ben Simmons doesn't. He just doesn't. I'm sorry. He he's never once given any indication that he cares about anything more than himself. Because if if he actually cared about winning and he actually cared about the city of Philadelphia, and he actually cared about winning an NBA championship. The kid would have a jump shot at this point and be able to make one or two free throws when it matters most in the postseason. You do not want to play the St. Louis Cardinals right now. My word, are they incredible. The Cardinals have won 11 straight. They're, they have a sole possession of the second spot for the wild card. And here's where baseball is doing it wrong. 
the fact that either the Dodgers or the Giants, who both teams are very likely going to win over 100 games this season, the fact that one of those two teams has to play the St. Louis Cardinals for a spot in the NLDS, that's a joke. I mean, that's that's a joke. And frankly, if I was the Dodgers or the Giants, I would be petrified to have to play the Cardinals in that wild card game. Because anything can happen in a one-game playoff. Anything. And you, you know that in any sport. In football, in basketball, and in baseball, anything can happen in a one-game playoff. And with the way that the Cardinals are rolling right now, they're the last team you want to see in a one-game playoff. The Dodgers have arguably the best rotation in baseball. In a five- to seven-game series, no, you don't want to play the Los Angeles Dodgers. But in one game, for a one-game series... The Cardinals could beat them. The Cardinals could beat them in one game. It's just, it's baffling to me that baseball doesn't fix this. And it, it I'm sorry, it should go based, they should seed you based off of wins. It, it, it's come to that point now where if you're going to have a, a hundred win wild card team, you should, your, your success of winning over a hundred games should not bring you to the point where you only have one game opportunity to make it to the postseason. I know there will be many baseball purists out there who just sit back and go, well, those are the breaks. You know, that happens from time to time. Yeah, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't. I'm sorry. Look, the Atlanta Braves are very likely going to win the, the NL East, right? They've only won 80 games this season. They've only won 80 games. They've won almost 20 less games than the Dodgers and the Giants. And let's say... They win 88. They win 88 games. But you've got, again, the Giants and the Dodgers who are both going to be over 100, and yet the Braves get to just moonwalk their way into into the, the divisional series because they won their division. That's not, I'm sorry, that's not the way it should be. It should go based off of wins. If they seeded it properly, we would get the matchups that we actually want and that we deserve as baseball fans. Because here's the other thing. Here's the the bigger rub. The winner of the Cardinals, Dodgers, or Cardinals, Giants wildcard game. The winner of that game has to play the winner of the NL West. So the Giants, so let's let's just say it, it standing stay the same. Dodgers beat the Cardinals. We don't even get to see the giant the Giants and the and the Dodgers in the potential NLCS. We get them in the NLDS. That sucks, man. The two best teams in baseball, we should want that to be the potential matchup to go to the World Series. Not the first round, or I mean, technically the wildcard is the first round matchup, but not, not in the divisional round. That's not fun. That's not exciting. That's boring. It, it just is. Think about, think about and for all my East Coast people out there, the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. You wanted that for the ALCS because, let's be real, that was our World Series. Watching those two teams play because back back in the late 90s, early 2000s, or even mid-2000s when the Red Sox were winning the World Series, that was the World Series. Mainly because we felt that the winner of that game was going to go off and win the World Series anyway, and nine times out of ten they did. Because the, the, our division was the best division in baseball. It was the most competitive division in baseball. For a long, long time. But this year, the Giants and the Dodgers have easily, without question, been the two best teams in baseball. And what do we get as fans? 
we get the potential for one of those two teams to get knocked out in a wildcard game because Major League Baseball is too antiquated to realize that ranking the teams based off of wins would be a better way to do the playoff than keeping things as they are. It just sucks. It sucks. But as I've been bitching about the way that these things are going, the, the whole point of this segment was really just to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals and how incredible they've been. The St. Louis Cardinals, once again, and you know, there's it's funny how there's there's always these teams in all sports that you just don't want to see. You don't want to see your team that you're rooting for face up against when it comes to the postseason or even like near the end of the near the end of a regular season because you know you just got like that that pit in your stomach that shit, man. This is this is that team that could that could completely devastate us and and knock us off our trajectory to to winning a championship. You know, think about it in basketball. For a long time, the Tim Duncan Spurs, even when the Spurs weren't necessarily a a title contender, that was a team you didn't want to face in the playoffs because they they there's there's always that chance there's always that chance that they could make a run at any point they wanted to because they were just that well coached and they were just that good of a of a unit. In football, you think of like the Ravens or the Steelers; those are two teams. While you know maybe they didn't win their division, but they're a wild card team and your team's a wild card team, that's not the team you want to play. You don't want to play the Steelers or the Ravens for whatever reason, especially me as a, as a Colts fan. Those were the two teams, take the Patriots out of it, those were the two teams that you just didn't want to face because they're, they, they're so well coached. Again, they're, they're timely on defense. They, they always seemed to be that, that hurdle that you just didn't want to have to deal with on your way to potentially winning a championship. The St. Louis Cardinals are that team. And they've been that team forever. I mean, yeah, they've had their you know their years when they've run away with it and they've won the World Series and they were clearly the best team in the National League. But the, but even when they're not head and shoulders above everybody else, they're always just they're kind of you know under the radar, lurking, just lurking and waiting to strike. Think about the Washington Nationals a few years ago when Bryce Harper was on the team when everyone was picking the Nationals to win the World Series. What happened? They faced off against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals shocked the world and beat them. It the, the Cardinals are just that team. They're 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 the spoiler team. They do it all the time, and so again, all the credit in the world to the Cardinals. I thought the Reds were going to pull this out. That's not going to happen. The Cardinals have just been incredible the last two weeks of the season, and again, it just sucks. It sucks that that either the Giants or the Dodgers, after having such an incredible season. They have to face off against this gauntlet of a team to try and make their run at a World Series. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LaValley Sports Talk Podcast brought to you by the Silent Network. As always, thank you so much for tuning and listening. I greatly appreciate it. Please be sure to check me out wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. I really appreciate it. And that is it. That's all I have for you this week. Enjoy week three of the NFL. I'll be back again to break it all down next week. <laughs>